Have you ever wondered what the meaning of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world means? Did you know, beloved people, that the message of salvation, Jesus Christ slain, does not just begin in the New Testament? We see throughout the Bible the signs of salvation inscribed throughout God's creation. We see that the Son of God, who became man for our sake, who became a man, God Almighty, for our sake, came down from heaven and died on Calvary's cross. You may say, God's plan of salvation inscribed as early as in creation? And I answer that to you, yes. We see on the third day of creation, the very first thing, even before time began, because time begins on the fourth day of creation, when God creates the sun and the moon. The sun created on the fourth day of creation. The Bible says in Genesis 1 verse 14, for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. We see the sun was created for signs and for seasons, for days and for years, because the sun helps us keep time for years. And the moon helps us keep time for days. But beloved people, before that fourth day of creation, the tree was created. On the third day of creation, God created the tree. The question is, how can a tree exist without the sun? It is because the tree is a supernatural sign that God created this world with mercy in mind. All throughout creation and the creation story, we see, beloved, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, that God's plan of salvation is the most important message in the entire Bible. Hello, beloved. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I invite you today to Day of Destiny. Don't miss today's teaching on blood evidence. Today, I'm going to show you signs of the blood of Jesus prophetically prefigured for us all throughout the scripture so that we might understand the message of the cross because this is the season that we receive the return of our loss through the power of the cross. 
And yes, Jesus Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, as spoken of in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, part B of the verse. Today, I will help you understand that messianic mystery. Why is it so important to us? Number one, this is the most important time of year for all believers. This is the time we give God praise for the gift of grace and the gift of salvation that comes to us through the cross, the return of our loss through the power of the cross. But I also want you to understand, beloved saints, that as we begin today's teaching, we need to understand that Calvary was not initiated just in the New Testament. That before God created man, he already knew man would fall and he already prepared the remedy before the ruin. So stay with us today and receive the anointing for your breakthrough because these promises that I'm going to share with you from the word of God are blood-bought promises. That means every promise in the word of God is ours because they are bought by the blood of Jesus. And today we are thanking God for the victory of Calvary's cross. Let's give God the praise. And before we begin today's teaching, I want to take this moment to invite you to my Day of Destiny website at mydayofdestiny.com. And there you can listen to all of our recent podcasts, as well as order my newest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Now, let's go to today's teaching on the return of your loss through the power of the cross. We are going to look at the blood evidence presented for us in the word of God. I want to begin with one of the most powerful scriptures in all the word of God as we prepare for this powerful time of year, the third day, the day of the resurrection, and also the day that we praise God for the victory of Calvary, conquering every demonic principality and power. And I want you to know, as we just shared a moment ago in our introduction, that the third day of creation was set aside. It is a time that God revealed the blood-bought messianic mysteries of the cross that we see in the third day of creation. Why the third day? Because the third day is a prophetic prefiguring of the day Jesus rose from the dead. And what did God create on the third day? The first thing God created on the third day, the Bible says, and the earth brought forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree whose seed is in itself. I want you to understand something about the tree being created on the third day. We see a prophetic prefiguring of a Calvary connection. We see the cross and the resurrection inscribed in creation. I call this 
God's sign of salvation inscribed in creation because God created this world with mercy in mind, knowing that man was going to miserably fail and knowing that we would need a savior, beloved. And so he made provision that even creation would announce, even in the way that he made creation, the plan of God's salvation would be announced. Jesus Christ, who would come to earth to die on a cross and rise on the third day. This is one of the messianic mysteries of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And it is so glorious. Now, beloved saints, I want us to see today I'm going to speak to you uh, when we are talking about this blood evidence. Let me backtrack because I want us to understand this concept. First of all, beloved saints, in a court of law, when evidence is presented in order to present a claim on a case, evidence must be presented and the burden of proof must be established. Well, I want you to know that the burden of proof lies upon the person that puts the claim in or the party that puts the claim in. I want you to know that heaven has placed a claim. Heaven has declared that Jesus Christ is the Savior and that Jesus Christ in his precious blood has bought our salvation. He has also purchased our healing, our deliverance, our breakthrough, and taken our bondage and broken it. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand heaven has put a claim in that Calvary covers it all. I want you to know Calvary covers all of our sin, our past with its sin and shame. Calvary covers every sickness, every disease that Jesus Christ took upon his body. For the Bible says, by his stripes, we were healed. And not only in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, but we also see it in Isaiah chapter 53. Beloved saints, I want you to understand, heaven has placed a claim and the claim must be established with evidence. Now, in a court of law, two forms of evidence are required to establish the burden of proof. First of all, we must have testimonial evidence. What testimonial evidence has heaven provided for us? The word of God is the testimonial evidence. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word of God be established. And I will show you today the match from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from what we call the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament to the New Testament scriptures, how there is no contradiction, how there is a consistency in the word of God that coheres itself together to present the burden of proof in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And there must be physical evidence. What is the physical evidence? 
beloved saints, the physical evidence that is being presented to us in the Bible is a bloodstained trail. That bloodstained trail begins in the book of Genesis and it goes throughout the Bible because we see Calvary in every book of the Bible. We see types, we see shadows of the cross, the return of our loss through the power of the cross. Why? Because the central message of the Bible is the cross of Calvary. I want you to know that this is why the Bible is written and this was God's plan of salvation. Now, beloved saints, we are going to begin today because as we speak about the return of our loss through the power of the cross, I want you to understand when we are speaking about blood evidence and a blood trail being presented from Genesis to Revelation, I want you to see that every place we see atonement, every place we see sacrifice, there is only one match. There is only one that matches perfectly through every place atonement is revealed in the scripture. And that match, that blood evidence that matches throughout the scripture is matched in perfect order through the cross of Calvary. And I want to begin today this presentation of evidence in the theme The curse goes into reverse through the blood of Jesus. Let us begin with the evidence presented in the argument placed by Paul in the book of Romans. The Bible says, the Bible says in verse 12, wherefore by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Now watch this. The Bible says in verse 15, for if through the offense of one, many be dead, how much more the grace of God and the gift of grace by one man, Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul is continually comparing Jesus as the last Adam, taking the place of Adam who sinned. Now, Jesus being the complete, the complete uh, fulfillment of what was promised in Genesis 3.15. We must understand that Jesus Christ came to earth to become the second Adam. And this is why the Bible says in verse 17 of Romans 5, continuing in the context context. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, how much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So today, dear people of God, I want to present to you Jesus as the second Adam, as the last Adam, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. I want to present to you 
every detail that matches perfectly with Calvary. I want you to see this is a meticulous match, a miraculous match of blood evidence that shows us the Bible in the mouth of two or three witnesses cannot be denied. Let us look for a moment at the word of God, seeing again in Romans 5:19 as Paul presents his outstanding case for Jesus Christ to become the last Adam. The Bible says in verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Can you praise God right now that because of his obedience, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, beloved saints, I want to give you today four spiritual similitudes of the second Adam and deliverance from the death of of the Adamic curse. Today we are going to see four spiritual similitudes of the second Adam. And we are going to see how the curse went into reverse. Here we see that throughout scripture, the context conveys the supernatural similitudes of the power of the passion of Jesus and showing us Jesus as the second Adam. I will read one more piece of testimonial evidence that the Bible gives us here in the word of God found in 1 Corinthians, beloved saints, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, we see here, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy, and the second man is the Lord of heaven. Verse 48, as the earthy, such are also they that are earthy. As the heavenly, so are they also that are of the heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly. That means we through Christ have been born again and we now bear the image no more of Adam, but we bear the image of the risen Christ who, who in uh, his flesh obeyed as the second Adam, remember being fully God at the same time yet becoming the second Adam for you and for me. So let us look quickly at these spiritual similitudes that the scripture is going to present to us. The first spiritual similitude of deliverance from the death of the Adamic curse is, we're going to see, is the garden. 
First of all, we are going to see that Jesus begins his passion in a garden. We see that John calls Gethsemane a garden. We see this in John chapter 18, verse one, the Bible says, and when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the books at Kedron, where there was a garden. Notice that that John is accentuating a garden because the theme of John's gospel is the Passover lamb, that Jesus is the lamb of God. He is the one who coined the term lamb of God. So here we see, beloved saints, the Bible says where there was a garden where he entered in with his disciples. Now the question arises that we see, why does John begin the passion of Jesus in a garden? Why and all the synoptics also begin the passion of Christ in the garden? The question arises, why does didn't Jesus begin it in the wilderness? Or why didn't Jesus begin it somewhere else? Why does he have to begin the passion in the garden? And the answer to that is because Adam sinned in the garden. And Jesus is the second or last Adam, as we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. You and I must understand Jesus Christ, the second Adam, had to accept the cup in a garden. No, it could not be a wilderness. No, it could not be in the temple. No, it could not be anywhere else. It had to be in a garden because we must understand he is the perfect match for the second Adam and he is completely undoing the Adamic curse. Every single way that you and I can say, no, not in concept, please understand he is not breaking the Adamic curse in concept. It would be in concept if it were not in a garden, but because it is in the garden, he as the second Adam had to enter into the garden because it was there in the garden that the first sin took place, that mankind fell. And so now it is in the garden that Jesus Christ, though he did not in his flesh as a man completely want to go to the cross. This is why there was a battle in the garden and he prayed to his father as he fell on his face and said, Father, if you be willing, let this cup pass from me. But in his, in his obedience, in his surrender, Jesus Christ said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here in a Hebrew context. He's saying, Hanini, here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever your will is. The second supernatural similitude of the second Adam and deliverance from the death of the Adamic curse is found in the drops of sweat that became blood. The Bible tells us in Luke's gospel in the 22nd chapter in the 44th verse, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat 
as it were, was as great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now watch these words in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter three, verse 17, the Bible tells us, and in verse 19, and unto Adam, he said, when God is pronouncing the Adamic curse on Adam because of his disobedience, we are going to see the focus and the feature on sweat. Remember, Jesus had to sweat drops of blood. He had to sweat his own sweat and blood had to go into the sweat. Why did blood have to go into the sweat when he was in the garden? Because in the garden, as Adam was cursed by God and God said, by the sweat of your brow, remember it wasn't just just the sweat, but it was the sweat of your brow. This is why the sweat had to drop from his head. And this is why the blood had to go into the sweat because Jesus Christ was breaking the Adamic curse. So again, we see in Genesis chapter three and unto Adam, he said, because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed shall be the ground for your sake and in sorrow you shall eat of it. And in the sweat of your face shall you eat your bread. So here we see, beloved saints, in a personal prophetic sense of scripture, the second Adam sweats in agony to reverse the curse of taking upon himself the sorrow in the garden that became the sorrow as was pronounced upon Adam. The sorrow take put upon him by the sweat of the Adamic curse. Now, beloved saints, we are going to see the third supernatural similitude of the second Adam and deliverance from the death of the Adamic curse. We're going to find it in the thorns. You may ask the question, why was Jesus crowned with thorns? Well, we know the soldiers were mocking him and putting upon his head the crown of thorns. But why? We are going to see that this is another piece of blood evidence that the scripture is presenting to us. We are going to see that the third supernatural similitude of the second Adam and deliverance from the death of the Adamic curse is the thorns. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3, 18, thorns and thistles shall the ground bring forth to thee. I want you to understand the Adamic curse was that the ground was cursed. And now we are going to see that God pronounces that upon the ground that's cursed, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Beloved saints, we see in Matthew chapter 27, verse nine, the Bible says, and when they had plated a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. So here we see why Jesus has to bear the crown of thorns. Why he must wear it and bear it. It is because the curse is going into reverse. This means that the promises of God concerning the ground, concerning your territory, every 
every place that the sole of your foot shall tread. That he is given to you as a prophetic promise and you can claim it because it's blood bought. It's bought by the blood of Jesus. Now, beloved saints, we're going to see the fourth supernatural similitude of the second Adam and deliverance from the death of the Adamic curse. And that is the tree. I want you to see, dear people of God, that one, that there is one tree that produced death and destruction and the other tree that produced life. Notice in the garden that there were two trees, one tree that is called the tree of life and the other tree that produced death and destruction. These trees represent the cross of Calvary. Calvary, which becomes a tree of life, but Calvary that also becomes the curse. For the Bible says to us in Galatians chapter three, the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. One that produces death and destruction and the other that produce life. Here we see in Genesis chapter three, verses two and three, the second tree is the similitude of the sun. The Bible says, notice this, this is the tree of life. Notice what the Bible is telling us in Genesis three, verse 24. The Bible is saying, so he drove out the man and he placed at east in the garden of Eden cherubims with flaming swords, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Notice in this verse, you see flaming sword. Notice in this verse, you see way and you see life. The flaming sword is the truth because why? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter six that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And we see to keep the way of the tree of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And we see also, beloved saints, we see that Christ has redeemed us, as we said a moment ago, from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, as it is written, watch this, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The tree, one tree represents the curse. The other tree represents life. We see these two trees in the garden that were set aside. They could not be touched. These were trees, beloved saints, that represent the work of the cross. So today, beloved saints, I want you to receive the messianic miracle of the curse going into reverse. I'm going to close this, this program right now with prayer for you that whatever curse you have that you are dealing with, whether it is a stronghold in your body or whether, beloved saints, it is something that you have been dealing with or you are not saved and you need to be saved and you feel that you can't break out of it. I want you to understand I'm not just talking about a witchcraft curse. I'm also talking about being unable to break out of bondage. That's what it means. One of the words 
words in Hebrew, that you're locked in the land of limitation. You can't break out. You feel as if you're in a box. Well, today in the name of Jesus, Father, we pray through the blood of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Lord, to break every bondage, break the chains, break the yokes off of your children. Today, Lord God, as we look at the two trees, we see one that represents life, one that represents death. As we see Christ as the second Adam who had to start the passion in the garden because because this is where sin entered the world. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that there had to be sweat on your brow that fell to the ground as if it were great drops of blood. We thank you, Lord, because the Adamic curse was a curse given to Adam that by the sweat of his brow, he will have to earn his bread. We thank you, Lord, that in the Adamic curse, the ground produced thorns and thistles. We praise you, Lord, that you wore the crown of thorns to break the curse off the ground, to break the curse, Lord God, off of our territory, that we might possess the promises of God, that we might enter into our destiny because of the blood. Lord Jesus, we praise you today for salvation. We thank you for the tree that was created on the third day. Lord, we know it was miraculous because no tree on earth can survive without the sun. The sun was not made till the fourth day of creation, but God, you set that tree in the third day of creation as a sign of salvation revealed in creation that you created this world with mercy in mind. We give you praise and we give you glory for the breakthroughs, for the healings, for the deliverances, for the reversals, for the breakthroughs of every person listening to this, this teaching today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said amen and amen. Beloved saints, all of you that would like to participate in global, international work of God's kindness and love to the poorest of the poor, you can do that by sowing into our Hesed projects. You can be part of bringing fresh water wells to third world countries, alleviate the suffering of the third world suffering church, bring daily feeding to orphans and to the poorest of the poor in India and also in the Philippines and many other places in the world and to help indigenous pastors that live in the third world that are planting churches to have their churches be risen up to give them hope to keep going forward they do not have the advantages that we have many of them face persecution but we want to support them so that they might go forward and be encouraged and know that they are not alone. Go to breathofthespirit.org. You can do this also by texting to give. You can text today. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, and text it to 77977. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you very soon.